This episode is brought to you by Mr. S. Leather, located in San Francisco on 8th Street. Mr. S. Leather opened in 1979 and has been bringing you the good stuff ever since. Check out mr-s-leather.com to find the hottest looks. Welcome to Leather 101. I'm your host, Doug Milliken. Mr. Regiment 2024. In the early 20th century, the Oxford English Dictionary defined camp as ostentatious, exaggerated, affected, theatrical, effeminate, or homosexual. In 1979, a small group of gay men in San Francisco began wearing the attire of Catholic nuns in public settings and used camp to promote various social and political causes. They became known as the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They're a charitable protest street performance movement that uses drag and religious imagery to satirize issues of sex, gender, and morality, and to fundraise for charity. In today's episode, we talk to Jay Carter. Jay is a trans-mask non-binary writer, multidisciplinary artist, and sex and kink educator in Los Angeles. Jay's work centers on themes of queerness, gender, sexuality, orientation, and identity. Jay is Mr. Sister Leather 2024 under the aegis of the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Jay talks about the valley, Hollywood, living the cowboy fantasy, cultural heritage, gender, sex shops, shaps, the Mr. Sister competition, safe spaces, inclusion, and snakes with sunglasses. Let's get started. All right, so celestial dinner party okay here's my little icebreaker now you have the opportunity to invite any three guests living or dead real or fictional to dinner who would they be and what would you serve any three okay freddie mercury for sure god freddie yes freddie i don't remember if he has any dietary restrictions uh just cock i'll serve lots of that (laughs) 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 okay freddie mercury but then you have to think about who goes together, right? Well, like, I mean, it, I guess you could say, you know, opposites attract or, you know, two of the same or triplets. I mean, honestly, this is your celestial dinner party. So who else? Can, uh, Freddie Mercury. Can they be mythological? Yes. They could be real or fictional. Oh, that's true. Probably Medusa. Oh, my God. <laughs> First of like, all, is she going to have... <laughs> Like like sunglasses on all the snakeheads? Yes. Okay. She will. Why Medusa? I just think this would be fun. <laughs> and horrifying. It would be like a Hannibal dinner party. Okay. Oh, and uh, Mads Mikkelsen's portrayal of Hannibal. That fictional version. Because he's, I mean, the whole show is so gay. It's great. Yeah. I love it. So it would be like a Hannibal dinner party. So you've got Hannibal, you've got Medusa and, and Freddie Mercury and you, of course. <laughs> now, but what would you serve? And Okay, I'm waiting for this. What would you serve? Something incredibly beautiful to look at to appease Hannibal. Um, possibly something raw. So I'm thinking like raw, like sushi, but fusion with like steak tartare thrown in and maybe some like you know sailor uh tartare for sailor tartare yeah you know human a little human for hannibal and medusa i think they'd enjoy that i'm a big fan of you have like you know mermaids merman especially yes and then 
I don't know. Freddie Mercury, does he eat? (sighs) I don't know. He was pretty skinny, but I bet he he probably just had a fast, you know, a fast metabolism. Salad. Some salad for him. (laughs) (laughs) Toss it, Freddie. Yes. Okay. With some sausage. Sausage (laughs) in the salad. Sausage salad. That's got to be a thing. (laughs) It really does have to be a thing. All right. So um, again, Jay, thank you so much for showing up. Um, So tell me about your childhood. Oh my God. Tell you about my childhood. Sure. Like where did you grow up? I grew up in Los Angeles. I originally grew up in the like in the Van Nuys area, and then we moved to... In the valley. In the valley. And then we moved to an area called Shadow Hills, and we had a little bit more, a lot more property there. So we had like pigs, sheep, goats, chickens, ducks, geese, dogs. It was just kind of a... a, It was like a little farm. It was cute. Very farmy. But did it have to be, I mean, was it outside the the city limits? Because all of that animals, does it matter where you can have all those? No, a lot of parts of LA are zoned for basically everything but cattle. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, cattle are not permitted in most of LA. Um, I think donkeys have some restrictions, horses, obviously. But Shadow Hills is zoned for for livestock. Like there was a, a llama or alpaca or emu farm or i know those aren't the same <laughs> i know those are all different animals you know like squirrels and <laughs> hamsters and you know like bulldogs they're all the same there was a woman down the street who had i shit you not like 30 rabbits she had a rabbit rescue and they had horses Aww. too it was their house was insane the, the rabbits just like hopped around the house and they were all litter box trained it was no because rabbit poop is no fun no it's it's pretty gross but these were all litter box trained it was crazy. Have you ever seen those videos where like the French bulldog will sit on the toilet and like use the toilet? No. I My wish... husband is constantly telling me, oh, we need to teach Bilbo to do that. And I'm like, no, because we'll end up with a wet dog and he'll drown. And I just don't <laughs> think it's a good idea. <laughs> I don't I don't know that that's a good idea either. But, you know, it's your dog. <laughs> it's all good. So, sorry, back to you. Um, okay, so you grew up there. And uh, what what was your childhood like? I mean, was any brothers and sisters, any no. extended family? Was it just you? Uh, well, when we lived in Van Nuys, we lived across the street from my grandparents. And my parents were in the industry. And then my mom's brother was in the industry. So when they had a kid, uh, my cousin and I would our grandmother would take care of us a lot. Um, so I grew up going to the set a lot when I was really young. Um, that was mostly before I went to like grade school. Like my grandmother would take me on my mom's lunch to Universal and we'd go on the lot and go to the cafeteria and eat with her. The commissary is what it's called. So and- is the person who runs the commissary the commissar? Or is that entirely different? I, I think that's something else. <laughs> All right. I was just curious. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I grew up in with family in the entertainment industry, which is pretty common in L.A. And then um, I rode horses competitively for years, so that was a large part of my life. Uh, it's where the cowboy fantasy comes from, I'm sure. Yes, my, fantasy. One of my one all of my the tight cave. pants and the leather and the whipping and all that stuff. But we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that more. So, and I went to an all girls non religious school, which was interesting. Uh, they have those outside of like England. Yes, they have a like four four in L.A. There's Westridge, Marlboro, Marymount, and I feel like there's one more Archer. 
There's at least four. Is it basically just like Volleyball Academy? I mean, no. It's like become a Renaissance Man Academy. It's what? like you had to do a year of music. In high school, as I went like sixth through 12th grade, but in, in middle school, we had to take Latin and Spanish or French. Oh my God, that's amazing. I'm so jealous. And then in high school, we had to do a year of music, a year of visual art. Um, there was like, you had to do an elective year of one of the two. You had to do two years of one. And uh, I think you could substitute th- theater for that. Uh, yeah. And then the academics were pretty competitive. It was like there were 64, 67 people in my graduating class. It was very small. That's, that's still amazing, though. I mean, my graduating class was like 100 and 109 or something. and But that was a very small town. And that, that's a small class. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that was a quarter of all the kids in the entire like city. Small town. Fuck America. I'll cut that out. <laughs> fuck yes. America. Sorry. <laughs> no, fuck Ohio is what I meant. I'll, I'll put that in. Okay, so when you grew up, did you have um, like cultural awareness of sort of, you know, where you came from? Not on my mom's side, yes. The Jewish side, there was a lot of cultural awareness. I was raised very culturally Jewish, if not religious. Like, we never went to temple, ever. Not even on the high holy days. Um, my grandmother, who is my mom's mom, who is Jewish, uh, and my grandfather threw this big Christmas Eve party. It was their thing. They would invite all these old Hollywood actors and crew people, which was crazy. But I was a little kid. Like, I didn't know who any of these people were. Um, and and so I was raised with love, cultural Jewish values, like about family and community, the food for sure. We all agreed that, that the Jews did not get the good holiday music and that some of the food was lacking. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But some of the food is great. Was it Kugel or something? Oh, I love Kugel. No, um, God, there's something my dad loves that my mom and I hate. Why can't I think of what it's called? Oh my God, it'll come to me in like 30 minutes and I'll be... You'll just yell it out. I know, you'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, so, and then the Native American side, we didn't, like my dad's mom, who's where I get that from, uh, she would like always send gifts, like um, traditional jewelry and things like that at Christmas. Uh, but my dad because we have a history of white passing in our family, it was kind of denied and never discussed because that's like what you do. If you're able to pass, you certainly don't talk about it or flaunt it. And then when I was a teenager, it's like my dad just got mad about the whole thing. (laughs) And I was also, you know, we were thinking about me applying to college and it sounds very weird, but um, we decided to register. So you have to register everyone, your lineage. So my grandmother registered, uh, my dad and his two brothers registered, and then all the grandkids. And we had to do it all at once. Everyone's birth certificates. It was, it's very intense. Like when people act like it's not, it's like, no, Native people consider that if you are enrolled in your tribe, you jump through all the hoops. Like, if you, if you hadn't been registering regularly through the generations, it's like, well, if you were able to pull it all together, it's funny. Nobody ever asked about my blood quantum except for white people. I'm sorry, your what? My blood quantum. What is, I, uh, that's the percentage or fraction that you are. So like your blood oh, like percentage. Like when you say, I'm 112th Cherokee, something like that. Yeah. But what is that? I mean, okay. 
I'm going to say this and you're going to be like, yeah, you're going to roll your eyes. I'm going to watch you. (laughs) Okay. So um, my 12th great grandfather was Pocahontas's dad. I saw you roll your eyes. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) But the thing is like that, that seems to me like that would qualify me for something, but I'm not looking for anything like that. I just 12 generations ago. But to me that it says something about who I am. Oh, I think it does too. Um, most tribes do have a minimum threshold to meet, and it it's way less than 12 generations, unfortunately. Um, it's usually like three or four. So I'm not sure about... Because, yeah, they don't recognize beyond a certain blood quantum. But if you meet it, it's like, okay, it's good enough for, for the U.S. government and for the tribe. Why is it not good enough for everyone else? No, it's fine. So um, <laughs> so you grow up with all this Hollywood around you. Is that what led you into like screenwriting? To some degree. My parents both told me they would not pay for my undergraduate if I went to film school. Because my mom is a script supervisor, was, and my dad was a cinematographer. They both retired about a year and a half ago. So um, they said, don't be us. Yeah, they were like, you have seen how hard the struggle is. Please, please, for the love of God, don't do this. And I went, okay. So then <laughs> so then I studied English and uh, photography, and I did like jewelry, like metalsmithing too. I tried oh my to, God. I tried to weld. I was really bad at but do it. do you make anything? I used to. Oh my God, I love that. I say, I would love to make stuff again. Uh, it was fun. It's very You should make your own metals and be like, fuck you bitches, I made this. I, I used to make and wear a lot of my metal jewelry. It was dope. Um, and I sold it all at the end of school. I was like, yes, buy it, buy it, buy it. I should have charged a lot more, but it was fun. <laughs> um, so so I did that. And then somebody, I don't, I don't remember who said this to me, but they were like, so your parents didn't want you to go to film school, but you studied English and photography, which is about as close as you can get without actually studying film. <laughs> And I, I, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but then I went to, I worked at USC and then I applied to grad school there and I did the master's program in screenwriting. And yeah, by that point in time, they were just like, I guess this is happening. <laughs> so they said to you, okay, good you're, luck. You're they said your good way. luck. Exactly. You're going to become us. So instead we want you to work at a sex shop. No, they were really not happy about that. But uh, I, <laughs> tell me um, about that. So I went to work for these two agents right after grad school. It was horrible. I didn't even make it a year. And I got let go. And then my mom got diagnosed with cancer. And my dad was on location on a show. And he flew back and forth. But she had to wait a couple months to have surgery. So he came back like full time for that. He only did half of the season. It was like, I have to leave now. Bye. <laughs> um, they knew. He didn't just like up and leave. But um. Yeah, and then I didn't work for like a year, kind of staying at home, helping out with my mom. I drove for Uber Eats and Postmates and stuff. I had a Fiat. You can't drive passengers in a two-door car. You can put food in there. But yeah, you can you can drive food all around <laughs> LA. And uh, I learned about so many restaurants that way, restaurants I couldn't afford. But it was still fun, uh, and it occupied some time and brought in some money. And I could not get another assistant job. It was just a shit show. And so I had been active in the kink scene for a while, and I'd been kinky for a long time, but I'd actually been like out in the public scene a lot, and I'd started teaching a little bit. And so I saw the Pleasure Chest was hiring, and I was like, I need to, 
I need a job and I have like one degree of separation from several people who work here and it did work out. So my parents were mortified for the four years I worked there. I think they told people I worked at a lingerie boutique or something. Oh, well, that's close. <laughs> Dildos and lingerie. I mean, they had lingerie. There was leather there, too, which was a lot cheaper to buy. <laughs> well, it was probably more like, was it more like pleather or just? No, like real leather. Ooh. We carried a brand called Prowler from the UK. So I bought several shirts from Prowler through the store because I could buy them at half off. Ooh. And I know. Pleasure discount. Test. Yeah. Hey, rough discount. trade. Yeah. Need a, a shop hand? I, I've, I've asked. I feel like every title holder has been like, <laughs> so if you're hiring and they're like, uh-huh, sure. Yeah, it's all Which family there. Uh, we love Rough Trade. Yeah, Rough Trade is great. I'm not shading Rough Trade. I love them. I walked down there today. <laughs> so I don't remember where I was going with that. But oh, yeah. We were just talking about the pleasure chest. So, oh, so you worked there for a few there. years. Yes. And um, like, how did, that, how did that coincide with, um, I guess... Tell me a little bit about how you came to be who you are today. Because I'm sure, it, I mean, I'm not sure of anything, but I'm going to guess that it was not quick and easy. No, I don't. I don't know. For people who are younger, I think sometimes they look at us who are maybe even like 10 years older and they're like, why didn't you just like come out? Why weren't you just like trans? Why weren't you just like gay? I'm like, there were three people in Amnesty International when I, or uh, the Gay Stray Alliance, uh, when I was in high school. Wow, not Amnesty International. That was actually popular. Um, <laughs> there were three people out of the several hundred girls in in my high school. There were three people in the Gay Straight Alliance. I went to a school called Westridge, and they called us Lestridge. And like the, it seemed like the worst thing you could be branded as was gay, which is weird because there were several gay teachers on staff and coaches, and they were very, very popular and very well liked, and no one talked shit about them. Everybody loved them. So I'm not sure what, I don't know, so much of the social currency too is about like, could you introduce people to boys? It was so stupid. Like at an all girls school, suddenly men are like at a premium. It's like, do you know boys? Can you introduce me to boys? And everybody's horny and it's it's just all weird. And of course everybody who's gay is closeted. And or for the most part they were. Though a couple of people who were out did fine, but they were just very like confident, already popular people. Were they like senior class president type people that or were they just like, fuck you, I don't care what you say? Kind of a mix, kind of half and half, and then yeah. everybody else was like closeted, but people sort of like found each other. Like especially in theater, there were quite a few queer people and Oh the theater. Oh yes, the theater. I say all <laughs> all the gays were doing in theater for the most part. <laughs> so that wasn't that surprising. And then I don't know, I I spent so much of my young life being valued for my my feminine beauty and looks. I'm not a classic beauty. I never was. But I developed very young and I was a certain kind of pretty that was interesting to people, I guess. And when that becomes so much a part of your identity, because that's what people tell you is valuable about you. And that's where a huge amount of your self-worth comes from, for mostly for worse. I was going to say for better or for worse, but mostly for worse. It's very hard to let go of that. 
I think working at Pleasure Chest really helped. Um, I did have trans friends like from the time I was 18 when I went to college. So it's not like I didn't know trans people. I actually knew trans people pretty young, all things considered. I know some people are like, I didn't know anyone trans until I was in my like 20s. And I'm like, that's crazy. But then I think about what the young generation must think of, you know, even people like me who are 10 years, 10 and 15 years well, older than Let's them. just age check if, if you are comfortable giving your age. I'm 35 years young, darling. Yes, darling. Well, you're still uh, you're still a child next to me, but that's that's wonderful. <laughs> but but I think some of our, you know, listeners would probably be, you know, maybe in their teens or maybe early 20s. And they might think of both. Oh, God, they think I'm fucking old. But for you, they'd say, oh, yeah, you're older than me. And I understand that these people that come along literally generations after us, but they're still in the same room. They don't understand at all what you went through, what other people that have come before us have gone through. But I think it's really valuable to to sort of, you know, cut cut ourselves and put out some of that poison so that they do understand, you know, what has happened before. So that maybe they can help the kids that come after it, after them. But um you're right. It is. It is sort of fantastic that they can be like 12 years old and be like, "Hey, this is who I am." I I knew who I was at a very young age in a lot of ways, but I'm 50 fucking years old and I'm still figuring myself out. So I mean, seriously. But that's for another day. Aren't, aren't we all though? But you know, yeah. like I knew gay people from a very young age, but I was also confused from a young age because I didn't know trans people. I didn't know anyone who was openly bisexual or pansexual. God forbid. Well, <laughs> so so the pleasure chest. You run into all these different people, and it seems to be more of an opening or a welcoming environment for you. Among the staff, it was, and uh-huh. you know. It was a safe place to experiment with gender and gender presentation and orientation. And the staff was like this big, weird, dysfunctional, quirky, queer family. So is this when you started to, you said you bought multiple leather shirts there. Is this when you started to really like go down your leather road? Sort of. I mean, it really started for me when I rode horses and I got to wear all this leather. All the equestrian stuff. Because I didn't ride I did ride English, but that was later. I mostly rode and competed in Western disciplines where you wear a lot of leather. Like, can you, can that's you explain the English? Is that just like the riding pants or tell me more? Totally different styles. Uh, English is usually what people think of as like jumping um, over fences. There's also like flat So like work. equestrian versus more rodeo looking things? Well, I didn't do rodeo, though it's funny. I experimented with a lot of this. Like I had friends who were rodeo competitors and rodeo queens. So like we would- Rodeo queens? Yes. I Is had... that a thing? Oh, yes. Rode... Oh my God. We don't even have time to get into what. <laughs> the, the life... It's basically like the rodeo version of like what we are. They're like title holders. Yo. Yes. Oh my god. And they're horses and leather. Oh, and, and they're they're all women. They all ride. Wow. You have to be able to ride. You have to compete. Then you also have the pageanty part. It's cr- I had a friend who went down that path and it was fascinating to watch. Wow. She was like, "Don't you want to do this?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> no, cuz they all have to be so thin and so perfect and so many of them are so blonde. Fucked up. Oh, I was going to say so yeah. blonde. <laughs> and I was, up. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of eating or 
disorders ran rampant among people I competed with on the Western circuit too, because it was because a horse could never carry that much weight. No, but it was also like about no matter how good you were, there was some part of it that was like, and how good do you look on the horse while you're doing it? And being thin is inevitably part of that for female competitors or female presenting competitors. So, but you know, it was like, I was such a dorky kid and I didn't have a lot of friends at school. So riding was something I was really good at. I was really competitive. I won a lot. Um, I was really well liked by my competitors because I was a good sportsman. Um, I never did anything weird or dirty in the competition arena. Like, when you say weird or dirty, I mean, were there dirty things going on? Not in these- naughty, but just like there, there are certain like rules of etiquette that you follow in the arena. If you're, if it's not like a pattern where each person goes and does the pattern and then finishes, there's some where you're all in the arena together at once. And there are certain things you just don't do partly because they're dangerous and they just make you look bad. They make you look like an asshole. Like (laughs) it's just not good. So I was never that person, but getting to show, like putting on my leather, like I felt good because I knew I was good at what I was doing. I looked good. I felt good. I got to help design a lot of the clothes I wore. So, so yeah, like getting, hot. Getting fitted was so fun. We go like once a year to get me fitted for like new customs. And I loved doing that. It was very, very fun. And going into the workshop of the woman who made my clothes, everything just smelled like leather. She had a million hides and you could flip through a million swatch books. Wow, that's really cool. I love that. Yeah, I think my best look, one of my best looks was like black leather, slick out. We call them shaps in the equestrian world, not chaps. Are they, in fact, the same thing? Yes, but they have fringe. But yeah, they're the same. Fringe darling. Yes, fringe, all the fringe darling. <laughs> um, black, like slick out, because some people wear suede out, like the suede side out oh, on their shaps. Oh, sorry, you said slick out a couple of times, and I was like, what are you saying? Like, now I understand what you're saying. Yes. The smooth side as yeah. opposed to the suede side, which I always thought was ugly, and I hated it. I was like, ugh, yuck, don't like that. And I black shaps and then it was a i can't remember if i had a black or white undershirt maybe i had both and that was a black leather vest with pearlized white in the middle and that had red metallic and green metallic roses going down it with the stems and she painted like glitter on the edge of every petal of all the roses so it was this like tuxedo look and i wore that at the world championships and it was very good it was a good look that's impressive seriously that's impressive (laughs) You, have you ever thought about bringing any of that into your into your Leatherland? I have. And if this has anything to do with Los Angeles leather competition, feel free to say, I'm not talking to that to you, bitch. Yeah, and I'm not telling you anything about what I'm planning for LAL because <laughs> you're my competition. I'm not trying to dig it out of you. Anyway. I say uh, my handler would be like, how dare you give away your pageant secrets? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the duct tape and like the eyelash glue on the wig and everything. Yeah, I remember all that stuff. But that's another story for another day. All right. So we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about Mr. Sister Leather. This episode is brought to you by Mr. S Leather. They've got the biggest and best selection of BDSM, bondage, sex toys, and kink gear you'll find anywhere. Whether you're new to the scene or well-versed in extreme bondage and BDSM, they have the highest quality kink gear and fetish clothing you can find out there. 
Mr. S. Leather is a fixture in the San Francisco kink community, located in the heart of the Soma district where the leather scene was born. Check out mr-s-leather.com. I say, is that when you have the musical interlude? Yeah, there'll be a musical interlude. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, play the zither in between. Okay. And, and we're back, yes. So tell me about Mr. Sister 2024. What was that competition like? Oh, should we spill some real tea? Yes, tea, please. I'm drinking coffee, but I want to hear the tea. We're drinking coffee. It's a Saturday night, but let's spill the tea. It's yes. good. <laughs> so I had seen a leather contest years ago because we hosted the meet and greet for the cruise one at Pleasure Chest, and one of my coworkers was competing. So I saw a little bit of the contest, and people had started to ask me like over the summer – like a couple people thought I had a title in the AFAB community. And I was like, no, I don't have a title. And several people were like, well, you should think about running for one. And that was interesting. And I was like, okay, let me file this away for, for, (laughs) for thinking about later. And then a very close friend of mine specifically, specifically suggested Mr. Sister and I didn't invite him to the contest. Oh. And I only found out like two months after that he was upset and heard about it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm so spazzy. I just, I, he had a lot going on. I thought that I would be distracted if I had friends at the contest. So I didn't invite anyone. Wow. Did you, so you didn't even tell them about it until afterwards, right? He didn't know until I won. And he saw the stuff on Instagram. And he was like, I didn't know you competed. And I was like, yeah. I did. Oops, and I won, bitch. Yeah, I think I got a text like the next day that was like, congratulations. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I can almost hear like him actually saying this and not like in a like, congratulations, bitch. <laughs> Fuck you for not inviting me. And then we didn't talk about it for two months. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I decided to run for Mr. Sister a little bit last minute. And I I already knew a couple of title holders, and one of them was very... I was having trouble applying. I'd emailed like twice asking for the application because I couldn't find it, and no one had gotten back to me. So when I started to panic, <laughs> and then I, I messaged a friend of mine. I was like, hey, do you know how I can get the application for this? Like, I'm interested in running. And he was like, yes, I know the current Mr. Sister. We're in the same title class. I will like hook this up. I got an email with the application within like 30 minutes. And then he was like, let's meet up at the Eagle. It was Carlos Zavala. Um, We love you, Carlos. We love you, Carlos. And he was like, let's meet up with the Eagle. I'm having a drink with my sister. And I was like, well, I don't want to crash family time. And he was like, no, this is going to be great. My sister's dope. I don't think he said dope. Uh, I think he said she's great. Uh, (laughs) But she's, she is great. I really liked her. And so we met up at the Eagle later that day and he talked me through all the phases of the contest and what to expect and some do's and don'ts and like don't sit in the chair have a firm handshake do this don't do that he was like you will be asked about two things i'm sure um and one of them was what's your favorite piece of gear and why and then the other one was he was like you're going to be asked about your gender he's like i'm not saying it's fair but it it will someone will bring it up at some phase like it will happen and then 
we talked a little bit about the looks I wanted to do, and we assessed that I really need to wear, uh, <laughs> well, I need to wear pants, but I need to find some leather pants because it's like one of the only things I didn't have. Uh-huh. And they're actually the pants I'm wearing today. There's a great story. They're pretty behind amazing, these. actually. I say there's a great story behind these pants. Maybe we'll get to it. Um, and then I want to do like a cowboy-ish look. So we were like, okay, I need chaps and I need pants. Like everything else I have or it'll be fine. And then so he came over, I think that was like on a Saturday or Sunday. And then he came over like on Tuesday night to my apartment and I tried on looks for the meet and greet for the interview we kind of test ran through all my looks for the contest he brought over the shaps and the pants he got them in two days shaps <clears throat> shaps 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 i don't care if they're called chaps no, i just i love it I, hate ch- I love it anyway I next can't. continue back to the tea so so yeah, the tea was that my my friend who told me to run for Mr. Sister. <laughs> Hi, Salem. Uh, I'm sorry, Salem. Um, was not invited. But it's not like I invited everybody else and not him. I didn't invite anyone. <laughs> That's right. Carlos was there, obviously, because he was also like my handler. So I applied. I did the contest. It was great. It was a whirlwind. It was frightening. <laughs> well, I was in the audience that night. And, you know, it, it was my first time seeing you and uh, it was pretty amazing. So congratulations. And now we've been sort of like title buddies since, since, you know, since you showed up on the stage, you know, of of my Mr. Regiment, like a few weeks later, you were all ready to go and you had your sash. And I was just like, Oh my God, there are all these people and they're taking pictures with me. And you know what I'm saying? That like the moment you win, your life is different. And, and photographers just literally start taking pictures of you and you're like, what's happening? Why are all these people coming up on stage? And so that was the first time I really, I think, um, I think I had talked to you maybe at my meet and greet, you know, like the so. night before, it was literally the night before. And it's funny because I just have to say this, was ta- you were talking to somebody, I will not mention his name. Okay. You were talking to somebody who um, was sort of ignoring me and... It, it was very funny, though. I just don't think he realized I was a human being. And I know you didn't notice because you were having a conversation with him. And I said, hey, I, I said something, you know, like, you know, you're, you're cool. And I enjoyed watching you win. And you were like, thanks. And you were very nice. You were very polite. <laughs> okay, and, then, good. Like, and then a night later, you know, I ended up winning the contest. And there you are on stage and your sash and everything. And I'm like, hey, this is great. But. It's very strange because after I won, that person who had been ignoring me, and I'm probably going to cut this out, but I just wanted to say it anyway. Um, be shady. I know. Don't say their name, but I'm not going to say his name. But uh, <laughs> the, the night after I won, he started talking to me. And I'm like, oh, I see how it is. Like, I don't have a title and you don't talk to me. And I do have a title. And now you're like, hi, how are you? But it is like that. Like, a lot of people... When I won my title, people were like, oh, you're new in the scene. And I'm like, first of all, maybe in the cis, predominantly cis male leather part of the scene. Yeah, sure. People don't know who I am. But to act like I have not been around and in the community and doing things for a while now. It's weird because what I want to say is you didn't see me before, either literally or just metaphorically, because I don't have a dick. And you don't want to have sex with me or whatever it is. But it's not like I haven't been here. So I always Absolutely. find that kind of funny. 
um, somebody, I was at the Eagle with another title holder, and someone came up to us and was like, oh, are you new here? It was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. We both looked and we're like, no. <laughs> and they were like, well, I've never seen you before. And we were Wait, like. Who was this person that just some, interrogated you? Some like random ass person who apparently goes to the Eagle on Tuesday nights. Um, <laughs> and we were like, sorry, we're not usually here on the weekdays, but like we're here every weekend. We have jobs, bitch. It was very weird. We wow. were just like. Bye. You, we were actually having a, a, a deep convo. You, thank you. We're not new. Bye. Wow. Okay. So now you hit on something and now I'm going to use your words. These are your words. Um, and I'd like you to tell me what it's like to not have a dick attached to your body and be in the cis male dominated leather scene. It's very interesting. Like I spent quite a bit of the time before like over the summer was when I started to get more into like the cis male leather scene with my friend Salem um because I felt safe going with him not that I feel unsafe around queer men like not in a like bodily harm but just in a uh, you know the eyes right people do treat you differently though like um just people in general like men have approached me to do like a crotch grab and then realized like two or three inches away from me that I was not cis male and they stopped. Um, I've also had people like look at me and check me out and then realize I'm not cis male. And sometimes they get this weird look on their face where they're like disgusted by the fact that they were interested in the first place. And then, and sometimes they're just surprised but I've had people like change compliments like in the middle of the sentence or more often than not, uh, people have come up to like my friend and I and been like, oh, you're really cute to him. And then they look at me and say something like, you're cute too, but not in the same way. And I'm like, you could have just stopped with telling telling him he was cute. The fact that you pointed out that I'm not cute in the same way because you don't want to fuck me or you don't want to get fucked by me. We could have just not had this whole part of the conversation. Like, if you walked up to two cis men and only thought one of them was cute, wouldn't you just say that to the one who you thought was cute? Like, you didn't have to call. It It makes it even weirder somehow. Um, I think a lot of people are, are... A lot of people don't have... I'll just say they don't have they friends. They have he friends. They have she friends. And, you know, gays. Gays love to call men she. Like, I do it all the time. Hey, girl. Oh, it's I'm, what we do. I'm fine with what I call the gay girl and the gay she. Yeah. Like, that I don't ever find diminishing. And I usually know by context or someone's even, like, their tone of voice if it's meant to be diminishing and right. not and I, polite. And I think a lot of people, in, at least that I have uh, – you know, hung out with, they just don't have they friends. And it's, it's a hard conversation because the intention is very often there. They just want to treat you the way you want to be treated, but they don't understand. Like it's their brain hasn't made the leap yet. And it's, it's on no one else. It's on no one else, but they need to try harder and they need to say, you know what, if it's hard for me to say this or to think of somebody the way they want to be thought of, I need to go home and do my homework and I need to think about it because the last thing we want to do is misgender somebody that 
it's going to hurt them. If somebody's, if you know, if I call somebody girl and it has nothing to do with their gender, it's just me calling them girl, that's cool. But if it's offending someone because it's taking away who their identity is or who their identity wants to be, that makes me feel terrible. And it's something that I think we all need to just, you know, swallow and try harder. No spitting. <laughs> Sorry. You can cut that out. I never spit. <laughs> I never have either. It's such an odd thing. I'm like, what was, why? What's the spitting about? I don't know. I've never. You just wanted to say no spitting? No, like spit or swallow. Like when oh. I was a teenager, people would talk about if they spit or swallow. They oh, were I like, remember that. Yeah. But I was I've always. spit. I was swallow. Thank you. I have never spit. And I'm like, do I know anyone <laughs> who has? You need to make shirts that say no spitting, Mr. Sister 2024. <laughs> shirts, no spitting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a little weird. And then. Like at Palm Springs Leather, I was not with my title parent. I was with like one of my title uncles who is introducing me to people. And he's someone lovely, Justin Hauser. We love you, Justin. We love you, Justin. Um, Pee-pee. And he was super generous with his time and introducing me to people. But before we started to walk around, he was like, hey, there are going to be some old guard people. And he's like, I know I'm a little old guard and I sometimes struggle with they, um, but these guys, like, they they can't compute they. they. They just can't. And he's like, I think it would be best if we either go with, like, one of the binary pronouns to introduce you because these people cannot grasp, grasp they. We can't teach them in, like, a short interaction. And he's like, I am worried about you being misgendered if we go with they. He's like, I think they will default to she. And so I trusted his judgment and I was like, let's go with he. It'll, if if you're telling me and you know these, like this crowd of folks that these people cannot grasp the they, them pronouns and that I will most likely be misgendered, I will trust you on this. And it was the right choice. And even now in the leather scene more, I've been like using he and I've talked about this with some of the other trans men and trans mask people who use both they, them, and he, him. And several of them told me that they exclusively use he in the leather scene because they get misgendered otherwise. And I understand, like, I'm not passable. I don't have facial hair. But there are trans mask people who use they, them, and they have facial hair. And they told me that they've been misgendered. And I was like, that is top surgery and facial hair i was like that's mind-boggling to me but do you think it's because they go by they them or is it just because people have not accepted them yet and i was talking about this with someone else too it's like people's brains are so attached to the idea of genitals and maybe as someone who is like okay with all of it in different ways and i guess for me it's like well whatever you have or don't have in your pants and whatever you want to do or not do because I'm also verse, I'm like, if I like the person enough, I am totally confident we can find enough overlap sexually that this is not a problem for me. I also understand and accept that other people do only want to interact with certain of their own genitals, other people's genitals. That is their body, their choice. I'm in no way here to chime in on it. But there is still, I think, a lot of front hole phobia in the cis male leather scene, though there are people who I wasn't really sure about. And then, you know, I attended some parties with them where play was happening. And I was like, oh, 
I didn't know that you were okay with this. And that's actually kind of reassuring. Like, I don't expect everyone to be attracted to me, and it is not helpful that my leather bestie is, like, a total hottie, and everybody likes (laughs) to hit on him. But I do get a little bit bummed when, like, no one flirts with me, and I'm just like, this is sad. Oh, my God, I sound like a sad sack. I sound like a a sad teenage boy with acne um, whose voice hasn't dropped yet. And that's it's time n- to change. Sorry, that's my worst. Uh, was it Peter Brady? I think it was Peter Brady. That sounds right. Or was it Bobby Brady? No, it was Peter. Remember where he's like, you know, singing and it's terrible. Anyway. Yeah. I used to watch the Brady Bunch. It's um, it's interesting. I never watched the Brady Bunch when I was growing up. But then when the Brady Bunch came back and it was, it was actually like you, you almost made fun of it, but then you fell in love with it because it was so magically cheesy. <laughs> it and, is. And this is even before they made the Brady Bunch movie. Oh, the movies, yeah. But, okay, so tell me, what are your thoughts on sort of old school or old guard leather versus maybe, as you say, new wave or more integrated leather kink scenes? Well, I think there's two parts to it, too, and I think they can get lumped together. Like when Justin self-identified to me as old guard, that was mind-boggling to me also because I don't think of Justin as being old guard mentality. Aesthetic-wise, sure. And by the way, I think there's a place for all aesthetics, and I think leather needs to be less stuffy about the aesthetics it's like if people if what makes someone feel fun and sexy in leathers to not wear black I think that's fine and if they don't have a thing for the uniform for whatever reason like I've talked about with some of the BIPOC title holders who are like yeah I'm not pro cop and I would feel very uncomfortable wearing a uniform for a group of people that have historically oppressed people who look like me and murdered people like me. And by the way, I think that's fine too. But they're also not saying no one should do it. They're saying, I don't want to do it. And I think that's fine. I'm not really sure why why the there's a resistance to both the aesthetic and the mentality changing. I, I think if we don't evolve, we're going to be in trouble. I think there will always be a space, at least aesthetically, for the old, the quote, old guard look. If people want to, like, you know, I'm grateful that the uniform fetish exists, that there are groups like Regiment and contests like Regiment. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I don't hate seeing it on other people, but like when I put on a mirror cap, when I look in the mirror, the first thing I see is an SS officer. Because of that shape, like it's just that German uniform shape. And as a Jewish person, like I have an immediate reaction to it. Um, I, I do have one and I do wear it on occasion, but it's not something that I gravitate towards. Like a word for the regiment contest, because as much as it's maybe not my thing and I definitely don't have something that would really fly as a uniform, I was like... I will be in, like, bluff formals. I will wear the, the cap. Like, I will honor what they do. It may not be what I want to do. The mentality thing, I think, is a bigger problem, personally. Uh, I, I There's a part of me that understands, like, cis men wanting a space for cis men. But at the same time, it's... 
it is weird. I think most of us who are trans mask or trans male, especially if we're not passing, notice that we get treated differently. Again, I'm not always complaining because like I don't want to get grabbed <laughs> all the time. So sometimes I'm sort of grateful, but there is a lot of handsiness <clears throat> in a lot of the leather scenes. And if it's someone I know, that's fine. That's more than fine. Um, I don't like to be grabbed by people I don't know. <laughs> it does it does keep people from doing that not being cis male like people do not approach me the same way but I think the old guard mentality needs to die personally I don't know how to say that in a gentler way but I don't think it's wrong for it to maybe evolve more too I'm not openly disrespected in the leather community almost ever. I mean, it's happened in leather spaces, but not by leather people, just like randoms at a bar. Uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah. On a Tuesday night. No, there have been much more egregious, weird things that have happened. And like I said, I usually go out with my friend Salem and he's a great ally. And if something weird's happening, he's the first one. Like if I'm shutting down or freezing up, he'll be like, no, this isn't happening. So how would you, how would you, build inclusion in the community. So I guess why I said that I understand why men want to have, if not cis male spaces, then male spaces, because in my experience watching people in the lesbian community, the sort of like leather light community that's a little bit like more AFAB, trans inclusive, and then the cis male leather community, um, men, when it's just men alone, interact completely differently. And it's interesting to watch, and it's like it's an energy I enjoy. Um, so I don't want to destroy that, but I feel like there needs to be a place of overlap because when I was femme presenting, I would never have gone out in the leather scene. I just heard it was, I just heard it was so horribly sexist and misogynistic, and I was like, oh Jesus, I don't need any more of that. Um, so I I do wish there was just more more overlap because there are a lot of leather femmes, and there's no place for them to go really except an event like cruise um or like the yes ma'am club that nikki cutler started and they had the the winter leather ball but they they just have i mean like they have a fraction of the the number of events we have and it's just not i don't know how to bridge that gap i've been trying to figure this out it's like more events that just include everyone no i understand <clears throat> i think um having more people of different types at a lot of these events is a really good way to, you know, build the community and you can have spaces for certain people and other spaces for everyone. And I don't think anybody is going to fight that as long as there are enough spaces where anybody can show up that they don't feel like there is nothing for them. And um, now what do you think about um, more, I don't know, more just, trans folk in the leather community like how do they become more visible and more i mean i would i would think that that would make it easier on you know on all of you the funny thing is so many of us came from the kink scene too before the leather scene like i knew orion through the kink scene or like we had crossed paths a few times we were not like we didn't know each other know each other um papa ryan and like before before he ran for a title and won and all of that. So I think it's interesting that that's a particular like feeder pipeline to the leather community for trans 
men and trans mask people, I think the best thing to do is to do things like run for titles or host your own event. Like if you're not a title holder and you don't want to be a title holder, but people know who you are, organize an event. I mean, that's kind of one of the best ways to be visible. Go to events. If you are into boot blacking, do that at events. If you are a kink top of some kind, sign up to do demos. And a lot of those people do that. Jupiter does demos. Bo boot blacks. Um, Diego is very active in the pup community. Um, there are plenty of other people I could name, but I'm not going to keep going because uh, then we'll be here all night. But <laughs> I mean, I think that's the best thing to do is to just and to just show up places. Like if you're not in a position to do any of those things, you don't have enough skills. You don't know how to boot black. You don't have enough standing in the community. Just go to stuff. Show up. Like I talk about this with Avery too. It's like if I don't show up, there's a good chance that there will be little to no trans representation. <laughs> I'm the only trans title holder, current title holder in LA right now because nobody in the last class was. So if I don't show up, there isn't. And Avery as, you know, a black title holder feels that like if he doesn't show up, I shouldn't speak out of turn and speak for Avery, but he and I have had discussions about how sometimes we're the only people who look like us and represent people like us. And what does it mean if we are not there? So how do you encourage people to be allies to not only the trans folk, but the BIPOC community? By in part respecting our aesthetics, like Avery and I both have like a very street style to our leather. We both love wearing high tops. Like I definitely tend to, to go more for like the Euro jockey sporty kind of looks. It's like the more you allow for people to not just show up, but show up and present the way they want to and do leather the way they want to. That's part of being an ally that that's a huge part of it. You know, if somebody doesn't feel comfortable wearing a uniform, don't read them for it. Don't read them for not being into what you're into. If that's your thing. Um, I mean, if it, if it was like, of what was billed as a formal leather dinner and they showed up in like not leather at all <laughs> like cut or off. a contest at certain bars that <clears throat> shall rename remain nameless oh that's an interesting point i mean and like didn't I, wear any leather at all well i say okay well that's a whole other conversation i think yes I know we'll save talking. that one yeah we'll save that one um I mean, I wore things that were not leather in my contest, but not not much. I wore a jock strap because I couldn't afford to buy a hot pink leather jock strap or have one made in the time frame allowed. I was like, "Well, we're gonna wear a P- like a vinyl PVC one because this is all I can get," and I had to order that bitch from France. From France? Do you know how hard it is to get a bubblegum pink PVC <laughs> jock strap in the United States? It's very, it's impossible. I had to order it. <laughs> from france <laughs> en français i know i say it's a it's an italian brand it's but... very nice okay so daddy um here's a little segment that we're calling daddy issues oh yeah yes so please don't actually ask about my father <laughs> no i'm not gonna ask <laughs> okay, you about good. your dad um and, and you know if you feel like you're not a daddy or you're not into daddies that's fine but are you are you into daddy mode or do you like daddies and all 
I like daddies. I think I have yes, a little daddy. bit of we love the daddy personality, though. Like I tend. I think you have a lot of daddy in you, actually. <laughs> I like to I take care of and spoil people who are close to me, and kind of like support and support them in their endeavors. I have some. I have some daddy energy. I think or zaddy energy. Ooh, zaddy. Zaddy. Like okay, so now tell me, what was the most unusual <clears throat> or? terrible uh, date slash hookup you've ever had oh my god the worst the worst i was my mind went somewhere traumatizing i was <laughs> oh, like I'm Let's so n- sorry no it doesn't i was to. just like we're not gonna do that one. <laughs> oh my god the worst date i've ever had i've been on a lot of really bad dates where there was just no <laughs> chemistry like you text and there's like sexy banter and then you meet up in person and one or both of you were are not feeling it and it's just so awkward I went on a date that literally lasted like 25 minutes. The whole date? Yeah. I think it was in January last year, like shortly before I started transitioning. And it was so uncomfortable. Finally, we both just looked at each other. He's like, can we just go? This is clearly like not going anywhere. And I was like, yes. (laughs) It was that bad. What did you do after? I think I just got in my car and went home. I mean, did you like eat? ice cream or go like i don't know have a hot dog because you know i do love a hot dog (laughs) no it was not i think i think i literally just went home and i think i like bought some fragrance on the way there because i realized i didn't have any on me and i was like oh i like i've been sweaty at work and blah 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 and i think i remember being a little bit mad that i bought a very expensive bottle of fragrance and i was like i could have really just like waited (laughs) Are are you a scent person Yes, yes. I have like a scent library at home, but it's funny because I only wear like a couple of them regularly, though. You save them for special occasions? I say this one's like a different one. This one's called. I'm trying to, I'm trying to sniff. Uh, oh, spicy. I say it's called, I think it's called By the Fireside or By the Fireplace by Maison Margiela. Um, and they make a bunch of like gender All neutral. Gender neutral scents. Um, no, I bought a bottle of Chanel before I fucking went on this date. Wow. And then I started transitioning shortly thereafter. So I have like a $150 bottle of <laughs> Chanel perfume that has like almost nothing gone from it. And I'm like, well, now what do I do with this? Use it as a prize in one of your, um, you know, fundraisers. I, th- I think there might be enough gone that I can't give it away. <laughs> or I can give it away, but I can't sell it. It's all good. Okay, so now if you could have sex with any famous living or dead person, but they would not be dead when you're having sex I with say, them. I'm not, I'm not in a necro. No, no, no. They would not be dead. So, you know, you could go back in time and have sex with, I don't know, Beethoven or like, you know, Marie Antoinette or whatever. Like, who would it be? And what would you do? What would the scene be? I've never thought about this. This is weird. Or it's weird that I've never <laughs> thought about this. I'm like, why have I not thought about this? Maybe because it's such an unrealistic bro. Well, why not? Well, you could have dinner with like fucking Freddie Mercury and Medusa, but you can't have sex with Medusa. But I've been I've been asked that in a job interview. What? Who would you have sex with? No, who would you have dinner with, oh, living, yeah. dead, or fictional, and why? And I said, I said, I had an interview at Lululemon like 10 years ago, and I said, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> You're and, recycling answers? But he's like one of my go-tos. I know. I, really I love Freddie. I miss Freddie. Even though I never met him, I miss the idea of Freddie. I know, and I love Queen's music. Um, but yeah, everybody in the room got really quiet, and then someone just said, like, you could hear a pin drop, and someone said under their breath, didn't he die of 
AIDS. Oh my God. And I just sat there and was like, oh God. This is not where you want to work. No, I was like, I don't, I don't want to work for Lululemon. <laughs> JK, this is bad. Oh uh, my God. It was a group interview. It was so awkward. Oh, okay. don't you just hate those. Okay. I was trying to buy myself time to think of like who okay. I'd fuck, living or dead. Yeah. And they could be fantasy, I guess. Like, I don't know. Just please not Ursula the Sea Witch. Anybody but Ursula the Sea Witch. No, she's not really my type. Uh, you just, you know, leaving mm. it out there. Good to know. Oh, fuck me. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I just never had celebrity crushes the way other people oh, really? did. Maybe because, or I kind of did, but I knew how unrealistic it was since my parents worked in the industry. It was just like not really. But was it maybe they were too close to you? Like, oh yeah, John Schneider, you know? No, it was just like, they're just regular people. A lot of them are total assholes. Um, <laughs> Thanks, John Schneider. Uh, I don't know John Schneider, so he I can't was, Wasn't I can't he Bo Luke? No, he was Duke. No, <laughs> shit. He was Duke, Luke, Luke. I'm going to cut this. He was Luke Duke from the, uh, I can't, can't talk. The, the, what were they called? Oh, the General Lee jumping. Uh, okay. He was Luke Duke <laughs> from the Dukes of Hazard. Oh. Yes. The blonde one. And he's, oh. Apparently he's made some, anyway. Yes. So him. Now do you know who he was? He wore those tight yes. pants. Yes. You know, there was Bo and Luke Duke. And, you know, there was the dark-haired one and the blonde one, and they would just, like, slide into that that car, the General Lee. Oh, my God. I used to actually think Boss Hogg was sort of hot. Don't hate me, people. And then, um, you know, like, uh, his Sheriff Roscoe P. Coltrane, he was sort of hot. I think because I knew I didn't know them as people. I don't know. Like, I'm not that demisexual, because when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I would fuck, like, anything and everything that moved. Not animals. I don't do that. Consenting human adults only <laughs> who are mentally capacitated to consent. Let me be clear, but <laughs> check, check, check. I know I'm like, I don't know. It's okay. Think That's, on it. Maybe. I'm the worst. I'm the worst person to interview me. Being like, I don't know. <laughs> I would just like not. <laughs> okay, so let's do another one then. Um, Mary fucker kill. You've got Rosie O'Donnell, Britney Spears, and Joe Biden. Wait, no, we can't say Joe Biden because we can't have that as a, a kill option. Okay. No. Mary Fucker Kill, Britney Spears, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, and... Um, I'm glad you're stuck, too. <laughs> Luke, Luke Duke. Oh, my God. Whoever he is, John Schneider. <laughs> John Schneider. I can't really picture him, so I don't know what to think about him. How rich is Rosie O'Donnell? Is she She's still rich? She's pretty, pretty rich, I Okay, guess. marry Rosie O'Donnell. Okay, marry Rosie. Fuck Britney. Fuck Britney. Kill John, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, wait, is Britney richer? Britney's richer. Wait, I like She's Mary, crazy, though. She's Mary crazy. Br- marry Britney so I could divorce her. Yeah. And get her money. That's what I was trying to figure out. I was I like, like who's the richest? Yeah, um, very good. I guess kill Rosie O'Donnell and fuck John Schneider? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think we could all fuck John Schneider. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I've had the best time. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Leather 101 is hosted and produced by Doug Milliken. Special thanks to Jay Carter, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and Mr. S. Leather. You can follow us on Instagram at leather101pod and my Mr. Regiment Instagram at pipedaddy73. Thank you for listening. And as always, don't dream it.